This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Alrighty, Anchor. Good morning. Good morning. That's a holy sound. I just want to encourage everyone to continue those conversations afterwards. You know, sometimes you come to church and you know it's going to be a bit easier. So I go to a gym, I look at the classes, I'm like, I just need something a bit easier this morning. Just going to do some breathing and stretching class. Well, today will not be breathing and stretching. Today's going to be hit. Today's going to be body pump. You know, go get a massage and you're like, oh, I just, I need remedial. Today's going to be deep tissue. And I just want to encourage you as the word confronts us this morning, you're going to feel uncomfortable and I just want you to sit with it. I I want you to sit in it. Jesus is going to come after some core foundational sensual things that are so countercultural to the messaging that the world gives us. Sit in it. Don't run from it because I think that's where Jesus wants to speak to us. The Bible reading this morning, Mark 10, 17 to 31. So please read along with me. The rich young man. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not murder. Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. But Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. We meet this rich young man. He comes up to Jesus with a a great posture on his knees, and he asked this question, 
but he asks it in a wrong way. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's saying, what must I do? It's interesting because he doesn't ask, what must I receive to inherit eternal life? He has this worldview that he has to do something. There is an accomplishment, a check to write, a pilgrimage he has to do to inherit eternal life. And he comes to Jesus full of all of the things he has done. His hands full of all of his accomplishments, but instead he didn't come empty-handed, wanting to inherit the gift of eternal life. And Jesus looks at him, and he can tell, he sees his accomplishments and by his questions, and he asks, okay, let's go through the commandments. You know the Ten Commandments? He goes through some of them, and he asks, all right, you know them. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your mother and father, don't defraud. And the young man, the the rich young man says, I know them. Thankfully, I've followed them since I was a young boy. And essentially, he's saying, I'm not sinless, but some would say that I am. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty close. And Jesus, what he's doing here is he's getting to the heart of God's commandments. God cares about our actions Yes, but he also cares about our motivation. Jesus sees our heart and our motivation as he sees my heart and motivations. And he goes, yes, you've kept the commandments, but you haven't kept the spirit of the commandments. You haven't given me your heart. It's like, it's like the husband, Thursday night rolls around and the wife's like, I'm going on a date, right? It's date night. And he rolls his eyes like, oh, date night. That's right. My pastor said date night's good. All right, I'm just going to do it. Let's get, let's get in the car. I haven't really planned or booked anything. Let's go. Let's do it. So I can just tick the check. Just get it done. He does it for Judy, but he hasn't given her his heart. It's like this man. He, he knows he has done the right thing, but Jesus senses there's something that he's lacking. And I think that's, that's a lot of our world, right? We've, we we, we give value based on people's external behavior and morality. Like if this rich young ruler were going to walk into a a moral, behavioral-based counselor, and he'd sit down and the counselor would ask, okay, tell me about your life. Well, business is pretty good. You know, I've just paid off my, my seventh house. I've got a few cars. The family's good. I don't have any, you know, sexual sin or addictions. I'm doing pretty well. And I think the counselor would say, great, I don't think we need a follow-up. You're you're good to go. Actually, you should be doing the counseling. You seem to be killing it at life. Today, we evaluate people based on their outward moral behavior. And if they're not behaving rightly, we want to change their behavior. And the issue here is that Jesus isn't trying to change his behavior He's trying to change the man's God. He's not trying to change the man's behavior. He's trying to change his God. Because this man, even though he has externally behaved, he is still worshiping and following him, himself, his own God. And the Bible actually has this word for this. When we, when we take a good thing, and we make it an ultimate thing. When we find all of our meaning and our purpose 
and our drive and we put all of our time and treasure and talent into something. The Bible has a word for this. It's called idolatry. When something that's a good thing and we make it a God thing. Like this, this rich young man, he's worked hard. He's worked hard, clearly, and he has wealth and he has power and he's made this good thing a God thing. And he's taken something that should be secondary to following God and he's made it an ultimate thing. And these idols, these, these, yeah, these created things, they, they lie. They under-deliver and they over-promise. And at the end of the day, Jesus is saying this isn't about behavior modification. It's about worship alteration. Jesus is saying, let's find your idol. Let's not look at your behavior. And I think some of you would walk in this morning. I don't know where you're at with your journey with Jesus. You say, I'm pretty, James, I think I'm a pretty good person. You know, I behave rightly. You know, I show up to work on time. I treat people with respect. I pay my taxes. Jesus is saying, let's look into your heart. Jesus says, let's go find your idol. Let me give you, th- let me give you something that lasts forever. And he exposes this. What's the question he says? Jesus says to him, you don't think you've broken any of the commandments? He goes, no, I don't think I have. Okay. Then sell all of your stuff and give it to the poor. You can have me as your greatest treasure or all of your stuff and your standard of living. This would be the equivalent of us saying, everything you guys own, everything you own, chuck it on Gumtree. Right now, chuck it on Gumtree. Jesus is saying, hey, everything you own, chuck it on Gumtree, chuck it on Facebook Marketplace. Everything you get back, go give it to someone poor. You're significantly dropping your standard of living. You're significantly dropping who you hang out with, where you eat, how people look at you, the car you drive, the house you live in, a much simpler lifestyle. And what does this man do when Jesus confronts him with that? He left very sad because he was extremely rich. Jesus found his idol. Jesus found the thing that he was living for and finding his ultimate worth in above him. And here's the question for us this morning. Jesus isn't just wanting to point out this man's wrong worship and his idol. He wants it for us. What are you unwilling to give up to follow Jesus? Jesus brings an absolute sledgehammer. And he says, what are you unwilling to give up to follow me? That if I ask you to give it up, you would be grieved, you would be so sad, and you would have to walk away. What are you unwilling to give up to follow Jesus? Now, some of you say, look, I, I, don't, I don't have an idol. It's, it's definitely not my possessions. Like, look, if this is the application for this, I have to, you know, give up the $400 I own and my uni debt to get eternal life. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. But it might not necessarily be wealth. It might be in a relationship. It might be in your comforts, your pleasures, your lifestyle, your success. Jesus is wanting everything. 
And this is the hard conversation that Jesus is having with this man and he's having with us. He walks up to Jesus on his knees. He has this posture, I want to inherit eternal life. Jesus goes, great, what have you done? I've, I've kept the commandments. I'm pretty good. You know, I've got all these successes. I think I'm pleasing in God's eye. And God, Jesus says to him, sell everything, give it to the poor. Well, now I'm very sad because my worth and my value is in my success and how people see me. And he says, good luck, homeless guy. I walk away very sad. This is the big idea here. Is Jesus your treasure? Is Jesus your ultimate treasure? You can't follow whatever it is for you, whatever it is for you, the thing that you're unwilling to give up. It's a private thing. I'm just going to let the Spirit minister to your heart. I don't know what it is for all of you. I know what it is for me. And that if Jesus asked me to give it up, that it would be difficult. I think we can resonate with this man that if we had to give up the thing that we most care about, that is our comfort, com- comfort and our compass to follow him, it would be difficult. But Jesus is saying, it's me or that. It can't be both. You can't be hedging your bets here. Now, if you're struggling to find what it is, and some of you may be, Let's talk about the elephant in the room. This passage has this beautiful relationship here between the idols, the things we're worshipping, and money. So I have to talk about money because Jesus is talking about money here. The surest way to find your idol, you need to follow your money. As Jesus says elsewhere, where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart is also. So if you're struggling to find the thing that you put your most worth and identity and value in, Just follow your money, where you spend your money, where you spend all your treasures and your talents. Follow your money and you will find your idols. And secondly, I just, this is a bit of a side note. I think it's important for us to say, especially kind of the location that this church is in. I think a lot of us, when we read the rich in the Bible, we think it's someone else. We think that Jesus is talking about the class just one level above us. You know, that, 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 that's not me. <laughs> you know, when, when the Bible talks about the poor, that's me. You know, they're talking about me. You know, the third of the uni students, they're, they're laughing because they get it. And this is the part, you know, we get excited by, by this and, and preachers getting up and, you know, Jesus going after the rich. And we want preachers, yeah, go get after the rich, Dawson. Come on, tell them, yeah, the rich. I hate the rich. The rich is the problem with anything. You know, I've, I, I live in... A four square meter sunroom in Enmore, and I vote greens, and I just hate the rich. I hate the rich. Let me just say this you don't need to be rich to have money as your idol. You don't need to be rich to have money as your idol. You can still not have a lot of, a lot of money and be worshiping, worshiping money. How you spend your time, you're buying scratchies every day, you're doing dishonest things to get money. You think, when I get to this certain level of living, the standard of living, that's when I will achieve something. You don't have to be rich to have money as your idol. And here's the big idea. Whatever is between you and God, you need to get rid of it. Jesus doesn't hold back here. Whatever is between you 
and God, it needs to go. I don't know what it is for you, but I sense that if we, we sit with God long enough, we follow our money, we even look at our lives and our lifestyle now, the thing that is inhibiting us, fully surrendering, fully following, fully committing to Jesus, that thing that is getting in the way, Jesus' application for this man and for us this morning is it needs to go. I want everything. I want it all. Now, this is difficult. This is confronting. And again, I, I love this passage because as Jesus shifts from speaking to the young man, he shifts to the disciples and as they're faced with this teaching, Peter asks a very similar question. He's, he's scared. And he says, well, who can be saved? He's saying, Peter's saying to Jesus, well, we, we left everything. We left all of our possessions, our homes, our family to follow you. Who can be saved then? And for the time I have left, I want to ask this very important question. Where do we find the courage to let go of these things? Whatever it is for you, where do we find the courage? Where do we find the motivation to let go of these things? The thing that if Jesus asked us to let go, we could do it willingly. So just three things to finish with. Where do we find our motivation and courage to let go of our idols? Number one, Jesus sees and loves you. Now that would be a bit pithy just coming from me, but it's actually in the text. Just before he asks them to sell everything, go to the poor, verse 21, he says, and Jesus looking at him and loving him. And then he says, go, sell everything you have, give it up. Isn't that interesting that before he gives that, that instruction, Mark puts in here saying that Jesus looked at him Another translation would be he actually stared into his soul. He saw him that Jesus, the God of the universe, he actually sees you, all of you individually. He knows you. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in my heart. He knows the amount of hairs on your head and he loves you. He's not doing this. Picture like an auditor in the suit coming to collect their, collect your debts. He's not doing this with this posture of, no, no, you need, I need to have everything that you're caring about so you can come follow me. Now he's doing this because he loves you. He's knowing that the things that you are finding ultimate worth in, they're gonna rob you of joy. They're gonna come up as substandard gods. Jesus is actually asking and inviting us into more fullness, a fuller life to follow him. And so as you guys sense the, the, the fear and the anxiety of having to let go of those things, just know before that, Jesus sees you and he loves you before he asks that. He sees you and he loves you. And that it's actually Jesus' kindness and love that motivates us to repentance. It's not our repentance that therefore gets Jesus to love us. Secondly, what motivates us, <clears throat> what gives us the courage to give up our idols? Well, Jesus actually makes the way. Jesus makes the way. Verse 26, Peter, the disciples, they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, well, then who can be saved? 
if this guy is obeyed all the commandments, he's killing it, all the externals, all the behaviors there, well then, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Jesus says, have a deep look at your silly idols, because I do the impossible. It's me. I'm the one who gets a camel through the eye of a needle. Jesus is actually, he's, he's dropping a funny here. I know some of you picture Jesus as, you know, the serious businessman suit. He's saying, how, how funny is it trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle? It's impossible. It's impossible. But I make a way. With God, it is possible. And Jesus is saying, he even takes idolaters and people that find meaning and worth in lower things and created things, and I make a way and get you into eternal life. With you, it's impossible because you can obey. You can do everything you want. This man, that's what he did. He lived the perfect life in his eyes. All the moral behavior was there, but his heart worship wasn't there. And Jesus says, no, with, with man, it is impossible to be perfect. But with God, it is possible. And that Jesus is the only one that lived the sinless, perfect life and gave the sacrifice once for all that gives us access to God and eternal life. And that gives us courage. That's good news, friends. <laughs> Imagine if the application today was, hey, go try and behave a bit better. Go do it. And then let's see at the end of your life if that's good enough for God. No, no, no. We get our courage and motivation because Jesus is the one that lived the sinless, perfect life for us to do it. He gives us not just the model, but he gives us the power through his Holy Spirit to do this. And lastly, so where do we find our motivation to give up our idols? Jesus sees us. He loves us. Secondly, Jesus makes a way. And lastly, Jesus replaces Jesus replaces these things that we're finding ultimate meaning in with something far better and far more beautiful and far more longer lasting. Verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold a hundredfold, that's good returns. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution, that's interesting, we'll come to that, and in the age to come, eternal life. What gives us the motivation? Jesus just isn't asking us to give up everything and then he gives us nothing in return to replace that. This is a really interesting list and I think Jesus he knows us. He knows humanity. And he says, those that have left house, I think there's two things here that are the most difficult to leave behind. And I think nothing's different in 2021. It's house and relationships. You see there, house and land. And then there's brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and children. So there's these two categories here that he's speaking into. And I think broad strokes, all of us in our heart, we have this, we're living right now, whether we're in uni, we're working towards to own the house. 
and that can be an inhibitor for us fully giving our life to Jesus or it's relationships. It's a relationship, a dating relationship you're in now, a toxic relationship. And Jesus is saying, even though you have left all of these things, if I ask you to leave them and you do it, you won't receive, you will receive a hundredfold. Now, what does that look like? Does that mean I get a hundred mothers? <laughs> is that what that's saying? Like, I, I have one mother, I love her. Do I get a hundred mothers? A hundredfold? No, I think he, he's actually making, he's making a very interesting illustration here that whatever you give up, I will replace in godly and greater measure. I will replace with godly and greater measure. That whatever you give up, I will give you deeper purpose. And no one who leaves will fail to receive. And what we give up for Jesus does not compare what he gives back. And if the costs are great, the rewards are even greater. I want you to catch this, that, man, if you're, you're scared, you're scared to give up a certain relationship, a certain standard of living, a certain group of friends even, can I tell you the community and the inner freedom and the living without guilt and the purpose and the adventure that you're going to get if you go all in on Jesus doesn't compare. It doesn't compare. But let me say that greater than any of these things that you will get in this life is that the opportunity that any complex and difficult situation presents us to learn the all-sufficiency of Jesus. The full sufficiency of Jesus. Learning that the fullness of life and joy is in Him and nowhere else. Nowhere else. And that's where I find my courage and motivation to give up the things that will allow me to fully submit to Jesus. I was speaking to a dear friend last week and she just returned from overseas and doing mission work in Africa and she's found it hard. It's been very costly. She had, had a house, she had a mortgage on a place on the Northern Beaches. She's killing it, right? That's the dream. Had a great relationship. But at one point she just had the clearest pressing call that I need to go feed and help young children in Africa. And it just feels, that feels too extreme. It feels too extreme. And she said this, this same line to me when we were catching up. It's like, how has it been? How's it been going there? And she said, James, I've learned what it is to say Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. The moment you think, friends, the moment you think following Jesus is a poor deal for you or for someone else, you are calling Jesus a liar. You are calling him a, a liar. Discipleship, following Jesus, it's not easy. It's not e easy. Leaving anything cherished behind is profoundly hard. But Jesus is always worth it. Amen? Jesus is always worth it. For those of you that have given up a lot to follow him, he's always worth it. Always worth it. I just want to invite the band up. And just as I close, 
yeah, as we're, as we're confronted with Jesus' message here that he, he asks us, he asks us saying, what is it? Not just to the rich young ruler in Mark 10, but to you sitting here at factory and watching at home. What is the one thing that you're unwilling to give up to follow me? What is the thing that if I asked you to give up, it would grieve you and you would walk away sad and you would walk away from eternal life? Now, for some of you, this is heavy because you're like, I don't know, I, I, I gave birth to it or I married it. Does that mean I have to walk away from that as well? So no, no, Jesus is saying, put it in the right order. Make me your treasure. Make me your ultimate worship. And you will better then be able to serve your spouse and your kids and your relationships. Jesus is always worth it. Jesus is always worth it. And whatever you give up, he will replace. And he has this, this, this hundredfold mindset. And I wonder if some of you haven't experienced the hundredfold. You're skeptic of that. Even in this life, I don't know if you notice, he's saying not just in the life to come, but also in this life, you're going to experience a hundredfold. And some teachers, I think, have abused that by saying, you know, if you give up X amount of money, you're going to get a hundredfold back. That's not what he's saying, but that you, whatever you're willing to give up to go all in on me, you will receive a hundredfold. That if you are willing to give up the things that other people are chasing, shadows, and follow me, you will receive a hundredfold in this life, but also the next life. And that we have lost, we have, we have lost our vision of eternal life. We've lost it. We've lost the vision of the kingdom to come that even if we give up something here, our standard of living, certain relationships, certain experience and lifestyles, do you not know that you will inherit the earth? That's not a hundredfold. I, whatever deposit I put down, I can't, I can't earn that. That you will inherit the earth, whatever sacrifice you make here. That you will get a family and a community, not just here, but in heaven. And ultimately you'll get the thing that you couldn't strive and earn to get here by your behavior. You will get the forgiveness of all of your shame and all of your guilt and all of your inner baggage to have perfect relationship with the Father, both now and in the life to come. Jesus is always worth it. Please pray with me. Yeah, Jesus, we want to come right now with the same posture that this rich young ruler came to you on our knees. But we don't want to make the same mistake he made that when you asked him to give up his ultimate thing, he walked away. We want to sacrificially give that up to you. But we want to do it because you, you see us and you love us. Jesus, because you made a way for us to do it. And that Jesus, whatever we give up, you will replace it with deeper joy, with deeper meaning, with deeper purpose, a hundredfold. 
And Father, even as we worship now, can you just search our hearts? We might be unable to find the things that are holding us back from fully committing to you. Search us, reveal it. And Father, even in worship, as we, as we lift our hands, we wanna just give it up to you. We wanna give it up to you and we wanna receive fullness. We don't wanna follow and live for these, these shadows, these lesser gods. We wanna live for you, Jesus, the living and reigning God that can give us true meaning and worth. So do a work now, Holy Spirit. Do a work, do a work now that yeah, I can't do. Help us to see you as you are, risen and reigning, who has given up everything for us. And as a response now, Lord, we just want to worship and give up our hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.